Well, everybody, I am so excited to share some awesome news with you all. We have decided with our pastoral team and board that we are coming back to church on Sunday, May 31st. So get ready, get ready, get ready. We are preparing for you. We're redoing the children's room, the youth room. We're rechanging the uh, sanctuary back here. And you're going to come back with some awesome surprises. And we're going to have a welcome home celebration. And I can't wait to see all of you. And that's why we wanted to make today's Mother's Day special. Um, Really, I wanted to bring us all together. I wanted you to see everybody on the stage again and just show the power of the church. And even just this morning as we were worshiping on stage together you could just really feel the power of God don't you guys agree like man I could feel the anointing of God and I told Pastor Paul I said I can't wait till we get together as a church because I know there is breakthrough and revival happening so get ready get excited Um, this season is coming to an end and so anyway but we have a few more weeks together online and this has been wonderful and um, I know God's been reaching you right where you're at and so I'm gonna start a new series for the next few weeks called perspective And I'm really excited about this series because I want God to open up our eyes that no matter what situation we're going through, whatever trial or dark season, and especially in this time of quarantine and isolation, that when you change your perspective and you see things the way that God sees them, you will know that God is still moving on your behalf even when the situation hasn't changed. So today my topic is called Now What on Perspective. And we're going to be studying out of the book of Philippians. And I love the epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. And uh, we're going to go through the story of this letter that was written to the church. And so I want to share a little bit of the context of this letter actually it wasn't a book originally it was a letter written to the church of philippi from paul and what you have to understand is paul planted this church he was an apostle and he would go into cities and he would uh, find leaders he'd raise them up and he would plant a church there and that's what this church is it's called the church of philippi or philippians as we know this church was planted by paul 20 years according to history, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then from that point when it was planted, I think it says in uh, 52 AD, when Paul uh, raised up this church, 10 years later is now where we find this letter written to the church. So as we read this letter, you're going to find out Paul loved the church of Philippi. He loved the people. And what was so awesome is the people really loved Paul. They had a beautiful relationship together. And so at this part of the letter, um, the church of Philippi decided to raise up some finances to send to Paul. Now, Paul never required anything from the churches. He never wanted to be a burden to the church. He only wanted to be a blessing. But they felt in their hearts as a church that they wanted to love on their apostle. And we're so blessed because our church has an apostle, and uh, we bless him all the time and, and that relationship. And there's something special about that relationship. And that's how they felt about their apostle. Um, And so as now we're reading this next chapter that we're going to read together, this is Paul's response to them, thanking them for their love donation of finances. So let's take a look at this. This is a, a thank you letter. But also, if you follow Paul in any of his studies, he's always going to find a way to bring instruction and correction because the church was always getting out of alignment. But the theme of this book is what I want you to understand was joy. 
And when we find out where Paul is at at this time that he's writing this letter, he had no reason to have joy in his life. And that's what I want us to see, that whatever chaos situation, whatever your, your circumstances look like, you can have the joy of the Lord in the middle of that situation. And if you study out in that, the book of Philippi, there was 19 references to either joy or rejoicing or something along that line. So he truly had a heart of joy knowing that God was in complete control. So what I want to encourage you today as we study is I want God to teach you how to change your perspective on a situation. So let me ask you this. If, have you ever met someone that maybe somebody else had a situation with and maybe they were offended and they tell you this whole story about this person and maybe they were nasty and they had a bad response or bad relationship and then you meet this person and you're like looking at them like, yeah, you're, you're mean, you're ugly, you know, you're not trustworthy. And then you start talking to them a little bit and you realize, man, they're, they're not so bad after all. This person painted a picture that isn't really like them. What happened? your perspective changed. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to change our perspective on something that seems bad. I know um, when I was in second grade, my uh, second grade teacher, Miss Seabaugh, and she watches us. So, hey, Miss Seba, I love you. She's like the best teacher ever. And she taught me this poem, uh, Forgive Me When I Whine. And this girl would go on a journey. She got on the bus, and she was complaining about her hair and how she looked and her clothes, and she was unhappy. And she got on the school bus, and, and she met a boy who was blind. And she said, uh, Lord, forgive me when I whine, for I have two eyes, the world is mine. And then it goes on about her whole journey. And that's how it is with us. Sometimes we can look at our situation, and it seems bleak, and it seems broken, and you wonder where God is at. But then when you come across somebody else who maybe is going through a darker situation, it makes you have a whole different perspective on what you're going through. So let's talk about that this morning. So he was writing from a prison, everybody say prison, a prison in house arrest as he's writing this love letter, talking about joy, and his end he wasn't sure of. He could have been um, either put in prison forever, or he could have been awaiting execution, and yet he still found a way to find joy. So in Acts 28, it's recorded that when Paul was in prison, he was there for two years. Um, he was changed to, chained to a Roman soldier for 24 hours a day. Now, what I want you to understand about Paul is he dreamed. His dream was to go to Rome and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He writes about it in his other letters. And yet at this point, he's not a preacher in Rome. He's a prisoner in Rome. And I can't imagine what he might have been going through going, God, this isn't the picture I had for my life. My life was to share the good news in Rome, and now you've got me locked in prison. And something we see about him is he never complained. He saw the goodness of God in the moment that he was in. So no matter what you're going through, you can have joy in the middle of that situation. So my prayer is that you will see the perspective of God as we study out Paul this morning. So we're going to look right away into Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 2, and it says this, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's just stop right there. He's writing from prison held captive, not fulfilling his dream or perspective on life, and he's saying, grace and peace to you. I don't think that would be the start of my letter to someone. I think I'd be more frustrated. But in verse 3, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Can't you feel that love relationship that he had with the church? In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Everybody say joy. 
He said, I always pray with joy. In prison, inbound, living in a situation he didn't see himself in, he's still praying for the people of Philippi because he loves them, and he's still praying with joy. He said, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to the completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He means from the day 10 years ago when I saw God started the work in you, God is still doing the work in you and he's going to complete it. Verse 7 says, It is right for me to feel, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains, now listen to his perspective, whether I'm in chains, in prison, ineffective, in a sense, or defending and confirming the gospel. All of you share in God's grace with me. Can you hear his heart of just seeing God in the moment of where he doesn't understand God? If there was anything I think Paul would want to pray is, God, get me out of this situation. You know, God, free me. Is there anything in your life, and I want to ask you this question this morning, and I think all of us this morning here could say that it's true. Uh, is there something that you wished was different in your life? You know, like, is there something you wish you could change that you're not happy with and you're not satisfied? I think we all could look in our life and think, man, I wish my job was better. You know, I wish I had a better marriage. I wish my kids weren't crazy, you know, <laughs> wish they were like somebody else's kids. We can look in our life and we could see the things that we're not satisfied with and we're not happy with or something that we wish was different. But I'm going to share with you three things this morning as we go through this study that I want you to write down. And this is so important. If you want to find joy and you want to find happiness in this moment where you don't see or feel God, I promise you, if you'll get this in your heart, I've walked through this in, in my walk, and I know Pastor Paul and Jenny have, and many sitting here, all, they have too. And this is the truth I want to bring to you is number one, I want you to write this down. We all have a what in our life. Like, what is going on, God? We all have a what, and we don't understand the why. Now, let's just stop there again. We all have a what. What is going on? You know, what, what happened? Why isn't my relationship working? Why isn't this changing? And we don't understand why. You know, why isn't God changing it? Why does God have me here? Why am I stuck? Why am I unhappy, right? But the part two of this is this. God always has a why behind the what, isn't that good? God always has why. There's a purpose behind that pain. God didn't cause the pain. God didn't cause where you're at, but God has a why. He has an answer behind what the heck is going on. And that's where we have to get our faith, that our, our God is working in the unseen places, right? Why? Because God says that my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And in this place that looks like a, a, a dead end or a barricade, God says, uh-uh, my why is there. You don't have to know the why. You have to trust me in the why when you don't understand the what. Listen, God is in control. Amen. He is the great I am. He still sits on the throne. He is in control of every. He's in control of this virus. I mean, 
or this, I would say, quarantine time. You know, God didn't create the virus, but guess what? God has a why at the end of this thing, right? We've had time to rest. We've had time to refresh. We've had time to be back in our family units, even though you might be driving each other crazy, right? But God has a why. And I believe the big why for the church is because we're coming back strong. We're coming back for revival. We're coming back for the harvest, amen? So God is in control. And what the enemy meant for evil, God's going to turn it around for good. Listen, God can turn around any attack or trial that you go through to something good. He can turn it to something good on the inside of you. He can develop a character on the inside of you, and he can build your faith. I know the greatest trials that I've gone through that I had to walk by faith and find my joy made the deepest character of Christ on the inside of me. When you learn that what? I can't control the why, right? I'm in the what, but I can't control the why, but I know that God can, right? So let's look at the third part of this. I don't have to understand the why to trust God in the what, Man, that's good. I don't have to understand the why. All I have to do is trust God in the what. What's going on? I don't know, but my God has a way. My God's making a way of escape. My God is the miracle working God, and God wants us to put our why, our trust in him and whatever you're facing. Why? Because when we trust him, it begins to change our perspective. What looks so devastating and horrible, when you see God is in control, now you can begin to see the goodness of God in everything. The Bible says in Proverbs 3.25, trust in the Lord with all of my heart. Lean not on my own understanding, but in all my ways. What are we going to do? Acknowledge him. Amen. No matter what you like, you may be in a situation you don't like, you may be in a place that I wish it was different. I have some of those. I'm living in some of those moments. So I'm going to ask you this morning two questions when life is hard. These are two questions we're going to ask today to find joy. And I promise you, you're going to find it by the end of this teaching. So you'll be, you'll be tempted to ask in this season, where is God at, right? Where is God in this moment? But this is what I want you to ask yourself. Number one, now what? Okay, the, the why is in God's hands. Now what do I do? What's the purpose? What's the plan? So let's look at what Paul said in verse 12. He said, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me. There's the what. I want you to know, listen, what has happened to me? Let me ask you this morning, what's happened to you? What's taken your joy? What's robbed your faith and trust in God? Was it a debt, a divorce, a crisis? Has it been this isolation or whatever it is? That's the what. And it may look really bad, but what he goes on to say in the rest of that verse, it has served to advance the gospel. Listen, whatever you're going through, God is going to turn it around for good to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's hard to see sometimes. And if you look at the word advance, that is a military term. And it means this, to move, literally to move forward. But it's a group or, tr or troop that's on the ground. And what are they doing? They're clearing out the underbrush so that the army can come along in full force. So what I want you to see that, yes, there's this trial. And that's all that you can see. But when you put your trust in God, he's making a way. He's going in that underbrush, and you can't see it. But he's removing distractions. He's removing limitations. He's removing things that slow things down 
in the spirit so that when the time is time to go, God's going to give you the answer. And then you're going to go and walk exactly where God wants you to go without resistance. God will pay the bills. Let me say amen. God has all the money. God has all the favor. He has the harvest for us. And you have to see that God is moving on your behalf. It's a cutting underground that prevents progress. Listen, you feel like things have stopped. When you're in a season where you can't see God, you may not feel God, your life feels stopped. It feels halted. I've been at a dead end. I'm sure have you guys been at dead ends before? Pastor Paul and Jenny, I know. They've been, they could preach this better than me, let me tell you. We've all been at dead ends, but that's the moment where things feel like they're halted, that God is really moving in a super, supernatural way. Amen? Everybody say, God's in control. So now what? What looks really bad, God is going to see us through. So you may be looking at your situation and say, this is bad. This isn't good, right? I don't feel his presence. Nothing good can come from this. And that all may be true. But what I'm going to ask you to do today is stop talking like that. We're going to stop. And what are we going to do? We're going to change our perspective. We're going to begin to see the God who specializes our God specializes in turning everything around for his kids and for his glory. Amen. There are divine opportunities that God is going to um, turn around for your obstacle. And when you begin to see God bigger than this, then things will begin to change. Listen, there's purpose in your prison. And we find this in Paul. There's purpose in your prison where you felt held captive, God is still moving. I, I think I shared this one other time in one of my teachings, but back in the 80s, there was this thing called the magic, uh, magic eye. Did you guys ever look at that, those pictures? And there, it was like a, it almost looked like a kaleidoscope kind of uh, picture. And then you keep looking into it. And then there's this hidden picture. Do you guys remember that? So today I actually went online and I'm like, I want to find one of those pictures again. I had to kind of, I had to like purposely stare at the screen. I had to turn everything out around me so I didn't have any distractions. And I had to dig deep into that photo and look and look. I am not kidding you. When I finally locked in, my perspective changed and I blinked and I could see this gigantic elephant. It was almost like, I, and I could look around, the same picture that I couldn't see anything, I could actually look around in the box and I could see the trunk of that elephant, I could see the ears, and I thought, man, if I just, if I move my eyes, I'm probably going to lose it, but I didn't. I still could see that perspective, but as soon as I pulled away, it looked like that flat picture. And that's what our situation is sometimes. We see the flat picture, but when you look into God, when you look into the trusting of God, God will show you something inside that picture that you can't see in the natural. Listen, just because you can't see God doesn't mean he isn't there. Amen. He is there on the scene. So what we have to do in this season, and we've all been there, and I've been there, and will be until Jesus comes, God is always perfecting our faith. But in this season where you feel chaos or whatever you're going through, ask yourself these, God, what do you want to do? Number one, what do you want to do, God? Not me. It's not what I think I want. What do you want, God? God, what do you want to show me? What do you want to speak to me in this season? Give me ears to hear what your spirit has to say. I don't want the old voice. I don't want the old way. I want to hear the fresh word of the Holy Spirit. And then ask the Lord, what do you want to do in me? Because see, God will sometimes allow the roadblocks to work in us the work of faith, work in us the work of trust. 
build our confidence in the Holy Spirit, cause us to slow down. Maybe we're too busy. And God says, oh, here's a roadblock because I want your attention. I want, I want you to hear my voice. And I believe that's what this whole last six weeks has been is God getting a hold of the church saying, hey, listen, I want your attention. And not the corporate church, but the individual people. He's saying, I want you intimately. All of our uh, Zoom meetings and everything that we've been teaching has been God's coming one-on-one, visiting us one-on-one because if the, if the people thrive, the church thrives, and we know that, right? And so, God, what do you want to do in me? Do I need to forgive somebody? Do I need to just let go and let you be God? Do I need to get back in the word and build my faith? I don't know, but ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in me? And then last but not least, which is the best, what do you want to do through me? What do you want to do through me? Why? Because God wants to get the glory. God wants to get the honor. And so we need to trust God with the why when we don't know what he's doing. In verse 13, Paul says this, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden. Now he's in prison, right? This is the victory part of the story. He's in prison, he's chained, and he seems almost ineffective. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains. And you almost think it should stop right there. I'm in chains. And he said, no, I'm in chains for Christ. What? He's looking at going, his heart was to preach the gospel in Rome. He saw himself freely walking among the land, but he began to see, wait a minute, I have a purpose here in the prison, chained to a guard 24 hours a day. This was the Roman soldiers. This was the imperial guard. God had him chained 24 hours to the highest ranking influencer people of, the, of Rome. And people could say, oh, well, you've been in prison. He said, no, I'm not the ones in prison. They're in prison to me. Because while they're chained to me, they're going to hear about Jesus. They're going to hear about the gospel. I'm going to have the joy of the Lord. I'm going to be more influential in my prison than I am being out in the world. Because God took a lowly man who said, I want to do something for Jesus. And said, I'm going to put you in prison that doesn't look like me. But I'm going to put you with the highest people. And I'm going to use your voice like it's never been used before. Who was the real prisoner here? Not Paul. Paul saw himself free. He saw him chained to the gospel and the purpose of Jesus Christ. And when you see that, when you can see God on whatever you're going through, you will have joy unspeakable and full of glory because you'll find God in any moment that you're going through. Oh, I have so much I want to share, and I just don't want to take up too much tonight, this uh, time this morning. But the test you endure, listen to this, this test that you endure becomes your testimony you will tell. Listen, whatever you're going through, that's your voice of victory. That's your testimony. That's where you can win people and, and minister to people because of the trials that we go through. Your misery will become your ministry. Amen. Verse 14 says this as I wrap things up because the last point is so awesome. Verse 14 says, because of my chain, he's giving glory to God. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. He saw that because of his bondage, other people were rising up because he couldn't go into all the world. They became bold for Paul, and they begin to share the message of Jesus Christ. So let's say, I trust you, Jesus. I may not understand this. I may not understand why I'm not married, why I haven't had children yet. Why isn't this breakthrough? I don't care. Now what, God? 
What are you going to do through me? What are you going to do in me? What are you going to do in this situation? And the last thing that I want to close with, which I really love, and I have found myself doing this in my walk with Jesus all the time, and the second point is, so what? You have to get a place to whatever you're going through or whatever people think about you, so what? You know, God, now what? And then so what? We're not going to be bound to what people think. We're not going to be bound to the situation. We're going to go, only God can change it anyway. So let's look at verse 15 as Paul says this. It is true that, some, this is so awesome. I got such a great revelation from this. It is true, now remember, he's writing to the church, uh, Philippi, and he's uh, bringing some correction on some division that's in the church. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. There's some who have good agendas and some who don't, is what he's saying. Verse 16, the latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. I imagine that might have been a little frustrating for him, that all these people are uprising, uh, bringing a wrong agenda to the church. And I can imagine Paul might have been a little worried about that. But in verse 18 is everything. He says to them, but what does it matter? What does it matter? Why are we wringing our hands to something we can't control anyway? We have to believe the goodness of God is going to turn everything out for good. There'll be times that I'll be worried about people's opinions or worried about decisions or whatever. And I do this. I didn't even really see that revelation in the scripture until a couple weeks ago. But I was like, God, what does it matter? I don't care if they like me, if they don't like me. I don't care. What does it matter? And that's what he's saying at the end of the day. Why? Because God's in control. He said the important thing is that in every way, whether false motives are true, Christ is preached. Amen. And because of this, I rejoice. He saw the goodness in his situation, and he didn't let anything get in his heart that he couldn't control anyway. Sometimes, listen, we have to be willing to say, so what? I can't pay... I got a debt, so what, God? Doesn't mean we just, you know, we act crazy. No, we just let it go to God. It's not going to take my joy. It's not going to take my peace. I'm going to trust Jesus in this situation. There's a saying that says this, Tiscar plan, Tiscar plane, I think it is. And it means, what does it matter? You know, we have to have that heart with Jesus. Whatever personal situation that you're facing, whatever struggle that you're going through, just say, Jesus, it's not mine. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give that person, in the grand scheme of 100 years of our life, right, does it matter for eternity? Is it enough to wring our hands over, or can we settle in Jesus? Because when you learn to let go and give things to God in this season where you can't see him, your focus will become so clear because your goal is only to see the things that God wants us to see, and we'll do that, amen? So when you recognize what doesn't matter, you can focus on what does and what does matter. Number one, God matters. First and foremost, God matters. Number two, people matter. End of the day, people matter. Love people unconditionally. Forgive people. Amen. And the third thing is eternity matters. What we're doing, are we winning people to Jesus? Are we loving people back to life? Are we forgiving our enemies? You know, that's what it matters is the eternity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you come to this part of the story, and, and I preach parts of this, but to see this all together... Uh, verse 21, how Paul can make this courageous, like, most stunning statement ever, if you really think about it. In verse 21, he says, For to me, saying me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Tiscar plain. 
He's like, why? Because I'm going to go be with Jesus anyway. No, I'm not ready to go be with Jesus yet, but if that's my alternative. Thank you, Jesus. That's where I'm going. But verse 22 says, if I am to go on living in the body, if I'm still here, this, means, um, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to be with Christ, which is far better, but it is more necessary for me that I remain in the body. What was he realizing? I'm going to let go and let God be everything. If I'm here, I'm going to live for Jesus. If I'm here, I'm going to win somebody to Christ. I'm going to live his purpose. And if not, I'm going to go be with Jesus anyway. We've got to find that calming of the storm. If it changes, I don't know. I'm going to trust God. But if it doesn't, I'm still going to trust God anyway. And that's where we can have our joy remain. Amen. I love you all so much. I'm so thankful we got to start this series. But before we go, I want to um, give everyone the opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. Um, Just repeat this prayer after me. I want you just to say, Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me of all of my sins. I'm asking you to be my Lord and be my Savior. I receive the free gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Listen, we are so excited for you. The Bible says that all of heaven is rejoicing, but we don't want you to do this alone. We have to come together. Let us come alongside of you. Find out the link there that um, would be in the feed, uh, in the memo, or go to our website and find the I Choose Jesus link, and we want to disciple you, get you involved in the church community, and love you back to life. I love you all so much, and we're going to enter into our worship service for a closing worship song.